33. 233 of the Ripcast. Post Thanksgiving. How was Thanksgiving, Jason? We had a good time. Went over to my sister's. She had a nice, nice dinner prepared and ready. And uh, just uh, family, I think, for the most part. Turkey wasn't dry. It was like Clark Griswold. I think it was pretty good. Although I like ham the best, actually. Do you? Yeah, I don't really like... I mean, turkey's okay, but... Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of turkey either. Like, in fact, the one year we had lasagna, decided to have an Italian Thanksgiving. Right. And, uh, man, I really pissed off Carrie's mom with that one. Really? Yeah, she was she was upset. She was <laughs> upset that the fact that we were having lasagna instead of turkey. It's like, who has lasagna for Thanksgiving? I'm like, well, Italians do. And it's just way better than turkey. Did you make the lasagna or did Carrie make it? Uh, well, Carrie made it. Yeah, I can't make Come on, dude. I can't make lasagna, man. I don't know how. I don't even, don't even want to try it. But I like when lasagna, the edges are crispy. Okay. You know what I mean? I don't like lasagna yeah. that's like real, like the, the noodles are soft and stuff like that. You know, I just like it crispy on the edges, you know, soft in the middle there. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's the best. I could have that for Thanksgiving for sure. But yeah, we tried it a few years ago and it was not a hit. <laughs> it was not a hit. It was a hit with me. But. So, oh, look at this. Paul Wynn checking in. He's like, whoa, what are you doing? What's going on? Is this real? Two podcasts within two days of each other? Kyle Chasen joining in the new. Uh, what did I see on Facebook? J J T Bearings is it? I think that's correct. He's he's the uh, team something team manager right of the the team. Uh, Jason Santos, what's going on? Jason's still alive and kicking. He's doing well, I think. I love that song, by the way. Alive and kicking. Which, who is who did that song? Um. All right, I'm not a you know a music. Come on, Jason. Who who did alive and kicking? Um. Let's see here. I'm drawing a blank on that one. Oh, simple minds. Okay. <clears throat> Good one. Let me move this over here. Jimmy Simmons is saying, damn, a Sunday night podcast? Yeah. Well, we wanted to do this. Uh, we got a request to do the BJ4 podcast. Uh, Peter Bartell was, uh, messaged me and said, man, I would love to hear the um, how that car came about. So, yeah, Paul Wynn's shocked that we're here on a Sunday night. Kyle Chasen saying, yep, JT Bearing Company. See, I saw that. Pete from Houston, Pete Phillips, is on YouTube. Head over to YouTube, sub our channel over there. YouTube.com slash Radio Impound. 
It's got us on the big screen. Man, imagine my face on a big screen. His dogs right now are like, they look up and then they just go hiding. He's up there trying to like shrink you. <laughs> the dog's whimpering underneath the couch. <laughs> Man, look at that guy. He sure is ugly. Double dip of the Ripcast this week. Adam Rails. I saw he was out winning again this weekend. Oh, yeah? Where was he at? The, the, the Cleveland? No, I don't know. He races in Indiana. Or how, how do we do in Cleveland? Well, they're running on-road right now. What do they normally uh, run, off-road? <laughs> well... Next week, they are running off-road. Yes, so. C-R-C-C-C-R-C? No, this no. is, uh, they're running They're running um, uh, <clears throat> an off-road race at Cleveland. So, basically, Scotty's running the on-road race, and I'm sure it ended today, right? Right. I'm sure well, X-Ray dominated. <clears throat> well. Uh, and then they're going to bring dirt into the ballroom? No, no, oh. no, no. They're going to build jumps and have a carpet off-road race next week. Oh, okay. So we do have several guys going to that. Hmm. So. Adam Rails is picking up those local W's. They all count, bro. That's what I did. I picked up local W's, and then uh, I went to a race outside my track, and it was total shit. Then you got dominated. Got dominated and whipped. <clears throat> John Bolton checking in. I remember the first time I went to Lake Park. Um, I think the second track I ever went to was Lake Park, and I just couldn't believe it, like that there was a second RC track, and I think I, I think I popped dog bones out of my RC ten. I would land like this and. The yeah. shock was on the inside hole and had too much droop, so the dog bone would pop out. I've been there. If I would have had the shock in the correct hole, I'm sure it'd have been fine. But I did get with my truck. The truck was where it's at. Uh, so yeah, we just wanted to pop on here and actually do this BJ4 episode. <laughs> We've been promising it for quite a while now, and uh, a perfect time on a Sunday evening. You got football on in the background here. 49ers are still winning. Kirby's all happy about that. Patriots Ooh. already won. Can't get any better at that. Me and, me and Spencer are happy. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay came back and won. <clears throat> I think it was 38-31. It was tied for a while there. In case you were worried about that, Jason. I that, am. That's your Buccaneers. You have a blanket. Well, yeah. I mean, we've always, I've always liked the Buccaneers. Yeah. Vito, what's up, Vito? Says uh, Lake in a Park, my favorite track in Florida. It's a, it's a favorite for a lot of people. I would say of the most popular tracks ever, it has to be in the top five for sure. People that had been there in the 90s and then people that um, wanted to be wanted to go there, the list is very high. Mm. It, it photographed well in those days. It was on video. It looked great. Um, <clears throat> I 
Is it Lake Park or Lake in the Park? Lake Park. I was thinking of Lake in the Hills. Yeah. Been there too. Yeah, me too. 98. Yeah. Paul Wynn has NFL Red Zone on. What does that mean? You just, it's multiple. So whenever a team gets in a red zone, they, uh, they cut to that team. Okay. It might be so a little bit different now. I don't know. So you just see scoring essentially. Yeah. Or attempts at scoring. Yeah, they got a bunch of them up there now, I think. <clears throat> I just pirate my stuff. I mean, I didn't say that. Wait a second. Wait, wait. Who said that? Who said that? Oh, I should switch to the comments here. Yeah, so we Kirby Hand, Jason uh, doesn't know what the red zone is. I'm out. Kirby, give us an update on a 49ers game. How they looking? How's my boy Kirk Cousins doing? I like Kirk I Cousins. I thought it was all about Jimmy G. <laughs> yeah, they got Jimmy G playing, but I mean, uh, Cousins is on the Vikings. I like Kirk Cousins. Hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so the uh, car behind me is the uh, oh Kirby says uh, Jimmy G's playing like shit today okay well I'm glad I uh, dropped him in fantasy a while ago seems like a lot of people are dropping him So, Jason, do you have the BJ4 there? I do have one in the garage. I didn't. I didn't. Bring we didn't it think out about bringing yet. it with us. <laughs> no, it's it's in the yeah. no the the the, the warehouse here. garage. I could go get it, but you actually probably have the better photos, like the one behind you there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, get rid of myself here. Uh, yeah, look at that. oh no. Solely out. Yeah, you can see it. Mm-hmm. Here. Jason's starting his list. Click, click. So, Jason, tell me. Tell me, Jason. When did you first have the idea for the BJ4? Uh, well, what happened... Uh, I was I was racing for you know we put up some photos I was racing for Team Losi and that was uh, the early two thousands um, two thousand one that area and two thousand two um, I decided that I was going to go back to Team Associated uh, talk to Cliff Lett. Uh, back then, you know, Reedy was was still there, uh, but I talked to Cliff, and they put me back on the associated team after two years with Losi, which, you know, went okay. I wouldn't say that I was the most um, committed driver at that point. It was, uh, but I was still racing locally. I did big races. We did the nationals, the regionals. Paul was at several of them. Um, it went okay, but the low C thing was not very natural for me. 
Uh, for me, it seemed like it was, I changed everything. So I went to Losi, I went to Trinity, and I went to Novak. And I think of all the, of all the things that um, was really strange to me was running Novak at that time. Mm. I kind of felt like running the Novak speed controls with the Losi cars. And, you know, you went with the Kin, I went with the Kinwald package, Losi yeah. Trinity. <clears throat> Novak and I think that the thing for me that I remember not liking the most was at that time was the Novak equipment uh was used to the LRP stuff and uh the Losi guys um with Kinwald the Losi guys just it really didn't fit that well for me even though that i was friends with most all of them because at one time or another they probably were associated drivers but um it wasn't the greatest fit for me um also i was like kind of transitioning uh as i would guess in life <laughs> <laughs> a life transition life transition um so you know going from California back to Florida, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, ran for Los team Losi for two years. It was okay. Um, during that time I did go to California for about a month and helped uh Gil Losi Jr. with a and their crew with a touring car project. Uh so that was cool. Um so as far as working with some great mentors or working with some great people, I got that opportunity. Um, when I was with Losi, cause part of the reason I was with Losi was because I was helping them design tires and, um, racing their vehicles and doing some other things. But so we did that for two years and it went pretty well, but, um, as a racing side of things, it wasn't as interesting to me for some reason. Uh, when, um, called a, associated with a, I knew the, the IFMAR Worlds was going to be in Florida, uh, the club at Minreg in Clearwater or St. Pete, whatever that building is in there. Uh, they got the Worlds. And, you know, that was just a, a big sign, I think. It was like, wow, we're going to have the, the Worlds in Florida in off-road. Uh, it's going to be on a track that I was familiar with. I had ran the uh, the team Losi cars there. I had ran the associated cars there. Um, and this is when associated was fresh on the B4. The B4 was a brand new car for them. Uh, at that time, team Losi really had an upper hand with the, the triple X platform. They had a four wheel drive car, the double X plus the triple X. I never drove the triple X. I only drove the double X. Um, didn't like either one of them, but mm. I did drive them, uh, but the stadium truck and the two wheel was pretty comfortable with, but, uh, so we had this worlds coming up in Florida, uh, at Minreg. It was the 2003 worlds. And what was interesting about that one is there was supposed to be an Oh one worlds in South Africa, which we had nine 11. Yeah. Right. So we didn't, uh, they postponed that event. They postponed it to 2002 in South Africa, which I don't, I don't think I was actually on the travel list for Team Losi to go to South Africa. I was going to say that list was very small. Uh, I remember they, Trinity was not sending a lot of guys to that because of the expense. Yeah, I think I think what happened is the the in two thousand one <clears throat> they were probably going to 
uh, have a, a, a little bigger team going to South Africa. And <laughs> I think once it got moved to 2002, they shrunk it even more. And I think I didn't really even express interest in going at that time. And um, they took a smaller team and uh, Matt Francis won two wheel drive there. And uh, I believe Yuka Stanari won four wheel drive there. And so, but that was in 2002, it was supposed to be an 01. They did it in 2002, but then they kept on schedule to 2003 to have the worlds at Minrig. So at this point I was already, you know, I talked to Cliff, I got back with Associated, was running the B4, which um, interestingly enough, I thought it was kind of funny because I remember when he, they shipped the stuff out and it uh, arrived at my house. I remember him emailing me, I believe, and saying, hey, I saw that you signed for this package um, that arrived. So, you know, whatever, have fun, good luck, whatever. And I'm thinking, <laughs> hmm, check the tracking on this thing. Kind of interesting. So, uh, yeah, so we did that, started running, and we were getting closer to the world's and I still didn't ha really have a four-wheel drive car. You needed a four-wheel for the Worlds. Uh, I think I was planning on either, I believe, uh, Reedy, as I was, Reedy wanted us to run a Yokomo. And I think that's probably what Mark was running. Either that or the Durango car. There were several people that ran a Durango. Uh, but I believe Mark had to run a Yokomo. I believe him and Billy had to run a um a Yokomo for the worlds. They wanted him to run that instead of the Durango. So I, I really wasn't in line to, to even figure out how to get a Durango, you know? Um, so I think Reedy was recommending getting the, the Yokomo car for me, but uh, the last several versions I had of the Yokomo, I hated um, the one they gave me at the 97 worlds, um, you know, I believe um, James Arluck posted something the other day on Facebook about some documentation of um, that came with the cars for the 97 Worlds from Yokomo, which was pretty cool because I kind of remember seeing that, getting that with my car. But anyway, I thought the car was that we got there was horrible. Um, I remember Masami won with it. <laughs> he TQ'd and won with the car. But um, you know, we didn't have a lot of time with it. I mean, they basically gave you the car. They told you to build it and show up and you had to run with it. And there was really, it wasn't a lot of time to get the body painted and, you know, Masami would show up and he would have a few cars and he had the car really figured out him and his dad, which he should have. I mean, he was the guy that had all the, um, the, you know, the world titles and the experience, but for us getting the car and building it and getting the body painted, it was just such a, um, kind of a, a disaster, uh, from that standpoint with that car. And, but the two wheel drive, um, situation there was great. But, um, so then we went to Finland in 99, Yokomo had a product, more of a production or a molded car version of the Yokomo car in 99, which I hated. Um, Mark did extremely well with it there. I think he was in the hunt uh, at that particular race. He did really well. Uh, I 
believe he was he led one of the mains or was leading at one point, which everybody thought was Masami was in the B main there. I believe that might have been wow. the only B main Masami was ever in. I think he was in the B main in the 99 worlds and Mark was like second qualifier or something. So he was running well. I mean, he had TQ two wheel. He was at the top of four wheel. Um, I remember one of the qualifiers. I missed a qualifier because I was like changing a belt. I missed another qualifier because I was like, I was, I had the car in front of me and I was like, I had my Thorpe wrench and I'm like tapping on the rear tower and it just broke. (laughs) And, um, I just thought that, um, the, the car was just, uh, I, f- for what we were doing, kind of a disaster. Um, of course, Mark lo- made it look good as he always did. Masami made that 97 car look good. So anyway, we're fast forwarding. We get through to 2003. I'm thinking again, great. I have to have another Yokomo car for four wheel. Um, I've never <laughs> liked these. I've never ran well with it in, the only car I ever liked was the 95 car. But anyway, so um, Brad Relfs, who became, um, you know, part of this project, um, he was the one that really said, hey, I want to get, you know, I see the Worlds is in Minray or in Clearwater. I live right down the road. I want to run the Worlds, but I want to make a four-wheel. And and I was like, Brad, we're, we're only like a couple months away from this race. Like, you know, how are you wow. going to make a four-wheel uh, to run in time for the race. And, and he's like, well, what are you going to run? And I'm like, well, you know, Reedy kind of wants me to get a Yokomo, but I don't like the cars. Um, you know, more than likely I'll, I'll just get something and go through the motions and, you know, run the Yokomo car for track time or whatever. Sometimes two wheels first, sometimes four wheels first. I couldn't remember how it ended up being, but um, so He's like, well, let's, let's just make a car. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, what do you have in mind here? And he's like, well, I, I kind of want to combine the, um, the parts and the TC three drivetrain. So she had had the touring car that was, you know, within the last probably four years that was new for them. He's like, I want to combine the TC three drivetrain with some, uh, the B four suspension and kind of make the parts to combine these vehicles. And I was like, like, well, I've done some stuff like this (laughs) and this is a big project. You know, we're only a couple months away from this world's and he's like, I'm like, well, do you have any drawings of this? Or he's like, well, no, not really. Um, And I'm like, well, if you're really serious about this, I said, you know, come over either during the week or on the weekend, we can draw this thing up. Um, that was my strength at the time. And, you know, you know, you, whatever ideas you had, we'll, we'll incorporate these together with things that, that I know and we'll design this car. And, uh, so we're, we're sitting only a couple months away, uh, from the worlds here. Uh, so I was just back running associated, I guess the recap, um, Spend just, you know, that two years or less than two years with Team Losi. Um, got back on Associated. The world was going to be in Clearwater. And uh, we needed a four-wheel drive car. Um, I didn't have one. Brad uh, Brad Rels was like, I want to build my own. I was like, fine, let's 
let's get together on this, come over, we'll start this project. And, you know, and I'm thinking, man, this is not a lot of time, but we'll give it a shot. I mean, what, I mean, it doesn't really matter. You know, there's no, so in between I had planned uh, to release, I I wanted to, uh, at the time uh, the world's was for me was the, the ultimate race. I always felt like those were the best races to go to in those days. Um, you always brought your best equipment or something new. And I felt like at that time I wanted to bring something, uh, have a, a new body to show at the world's, uh, a B4 body. So we made this illusion B4 body and had this, um, you know, the, the dipped in roof was kind of the, the style that we went with for the B4. So anyway, was able to, I, you know, the idea was to go in to the worlds with this new body. And then, uh, this car, uh, kind of became a possibility. So got together with Brad. And I think it's one of the rare times that I, um, truly went for the all nighter. <laughs> uh, we went and we went, you know, through the night, I think it was 16 straight hours is what we did, uh, designing to get the base, the basics together for this car. And so the idea was, uh, that, you know, Brad's idea, um, uh, Brad's an engineer, by the way, been in RC a long time, uh, was a, a national champion in four wheel drive, won the winter champs in two wheel drive, but hadn't raced for quite a while. But anyway, um, I, I did my best to incorporate some of the designs he was thinking in with, uh, the B four parts that he's wanting to, uh, combine. And then just through my experience and then his four wheel drive experience and what he wanted to do, we revised this design and, you know, kind of pulled an all nighter and got parts of this thing finished to the point where he's like, you know, I think, um, I think we're pretty close here. Um, and so, um, he had, he left, he went back to work and I was, you know, stayed at the house, uh, you know, my house and started working on, you know, all right, how are we going to make these aluminum parts? Uh, how about this carbon fiber? The thing is going to need a body. Um, not only in that, not only does the car need a body, but I need my B4 body that I wanted to run. So we had two bodies that I wanted to have. There was a whole, um, and then this whole car. So during the week I started working with the front end in the assembly. And at first, you know, there was some things that some parts he thought that would work from other cars that were not going to work. So during the week I discovered some of these extra parts we needed to make. And I contacted, um, my friend, Mike Mellon, who, uh, that I raced with in Florida, but he had moved to California at the time he was working, uh, uh, lamb components is where he was working in California. And, um, John Anderson was the machinist there, which John Anderson is the Trinity guy. 
Well, he was a Trinity guy, yeah, but he worked at Losi in the heyday, and he was their machinist. So, but at one point or another, he moved to Lamb, and so this guy was a master machinist. And I talked to Mike Mellon about if we design these parts, and him talking to John, could he make these things? And in time to get us on the on the track, and he talked to John. John said that he could do it. You know, we, of course, we paid him um, to do it. But, and then we had somebody make the carbon fiber pieces. Uh, we made the body, uh, figured out how to make those. Uh, they were all prototype bodies. They weren't even like in finalized material. Um, and something that, you know, we couldn't take a lot of, a lot of beating, but the material would be good enough to race and paint. So, we kind of got this in, in, into motion. It's like, okay, we we got the, the, the metal parts being made. And if, you know, if you want to put that other car on the screen that you had up at first, which is the original car, that is, um, that's the car with the silver parts, the carbon fiber, the original, uh, the original body. And once we got all these parts shipping in, they're coming in very late and you can see this was the design where the the battery was all on one side, the electronics were all, and the motor were all on the other. That's the original TC, the original TC three uh, layout. And so to get this far, this is um, when I took this picture. Um, we had spent already maybe two days at Brad's house putting this car together. And what was really kind of nice about this car is when you looked at it like this, you thought that it was almost kind of complete. Like it looked like it should be like this. But when we built it, modifying the transmission cases and getting like, I remember the slipper shaft to fit. That was a big issue because the bearings had to fit on. And there was a lot of things that it took us a long time to put, you know, it took like two solid days to put the car together. And the worlds was happening, right? Like, like people are arriving into town. Uh, you know, people were getting into town. They're, you know, they're going to have opening ceremonies uh, for the event. And we were still at Brad's house because I, I went from my house to his with the parts. Uh, anything last minute, we uh, had shipped to him. Uh, any associated parts we needed were shipped to him, and we started finish building these things at his at his place so um and then uh, jim myers painted both bodies you know he worked on that illusion body project with me um and but then we we had the bodies made um in the sample material uh and then he painted the body so the body there in the picture jim myers painted that along with my b4 body and so we had this thing and I finished it at, um, I think we had a, one of those, remember those old blue, like, uh, tables that we all used to use at the races. Yeah, that pull them out. Full, yep. Yeah. What the, that's what I think. Yeah. Brad had a couple of those. We had that set up at his, uh, had the bench and everything, room. right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember so those. I think we had that set up in his living room. I was building on that and I got this car built, you know, meanwhile, my B4 was ready to go. You know, that was ready to hit the track when needed. Um, at the world's, um, 
Jimmy was bringing the bodies over painted and just needed to cut them and sticker them. So I finished my car first, Brad's, um, <laughs> Joe, Joe kills me. A guy still wears earbuds. I switched to the earbuds, Joe. I switched. I got the headphone. I got these, but uh, I don't know. A lot of podcasters are using earbuds now. We we talked about this pre-show, Jason. So anyway, go back onto the BJ. We, we got this. Yeah, we got this car, <laughs> and I finished mine first. And I was like, all right, well, I better bring this thing out. I was setting it up on the on that little table, right? The little blue picnic tables that we had. I'm like, you know, checking the shocks and changing springs, and I'm like, okay, I think this is gonna be close. Brought it outside, drove it up and down the street, made sure the slipper was tight enough, uh, and glued up tires and um, mounted the body, which was tough to mount the body because there was no cut lines. You know, that's how we made it. And, you know, I kind of, you know, just took it a little step each way, a step of the way, and got it mounted on there and came out pretty good, brought it to the track and I missed opening ceremonies. Uh, people didn't even know, you know, you back then, I don't even know if we were texting back then. Cause this is a three, uh, maybe that was the beginning, but you know, people didn't even know where we were, you know, where was, I was going to show up and you know, why I weren't there, why we weren't at opening ceremonies. And I show up and I make, um, make the practice. So did you uh, show up with the car like in a, in a glass case? No, it like, was just like that. You just um, plopped it on the track. Yeah. It looks just like in the picture. Did you try to hide it at all? No, so you got to. Okay. No, I remember when uh, I got the glass case thing from Shaq, when he showed up to Detroit and his sneakers arrived in a glass case. Was that the one that was like a phone? What's that? No. Yeah, maybe that was an all-star game. Shaq had a no. It was it was the finals. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about the phone thing. No, this yeah. is the finals. He, he comes off the bus and then his sneakers come behind him, and they're, it's on a it's on a uh, rolling cart in a glass case. It was awesome. And he's like, he's like, look at that, look at that. Anyway, good. And then we so lost we, that series, by the way. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Ben Wallace. So we. Uh, <laughs> ben Wallace is an RC dude, so we can't. We I, can't, I uh, set up the pits, you know, got this mm-hmm. car out, started charging, ready for the con- the practice, which at the Worlds is limited. You practice in your heat or whatever they were doing then. And I threw it out there for the first practice run, and I didn't oh, have any. That, uh... We're talking about practice. Yeah. I didn't have any real expectations. I went out and drove it, and uh, pretty soon everybody was like glued to the thing and they're like this thing looks really good out there and i'm like yeah I'd, well, of course i'm, like, I'm driving I it i didn't think it would be bad you know i thought it would be pretty good but i mean i didn't think that i was gonna start off i, I want to say that my practice times were you know uh, <clears throat> they were definitely in the top 15 maybe even better than that right but i wasn't really paying attention people would come and kind of say would tell me that separate. Um, so, you know, we went through practice, we went through the race. I remember, uh, Cliff Lett was kind of bagging on our body a little bit. Was he, really? he was like, the thing looks like a brick. I'm like, <laughs> Hey man, we made this thing in two months. Give us a break. You know, says the uh, guy with the uh, moo cow paint jobs. Yeah. 
he was kind of clowning on our on the body shape and uh, <laughs> but once he got it stickered and um you know i got the one uh the side view photo there of it with the logo i think one of the photos i sent that's a really one of our nice photos of the side view that's my actual car decal and is that the one i had up earlier it might have been i'll go through these post them up but yeah that uh got that thing going and i actually qualified 12th i think or 13th one or the other so i didn't make the a with the four wheel but uh it was like 12 or 13th which was good people were very uh very positive about that and they just couldn't believe when the story that we're telling them that you know how quickly we got this thing together and they're like, you've never driven it before? Nope, never drove it before the Worlds. Uh, I drove it up and down the street before I came out here. <laughs> I mean, it's probably the only RC race car that I've driven up and down the street. You know, you don't build a new car and go and drive it up and down the street. So, um, so um, that's the Worlds edition. There's another one that's like a direct side view. Hmm of a car. Oh, you're talking about uh, the body look like a brick. Is that what Cliff has said? Cliff Light said? Yeah, that one's, All right, here this we go. one was, there we uh, go. Brick. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, let me try and find the other one. Yeah. So Paul brought up here, there was another vehicle called the TC three O that was using, um, the TC three drivetrain and used Schumacher suspension. But it didn't. Um, there was some unique things about that car, but it didn't look quite as finished as ours. And you know, I think they were selling theirs, but I thought our car was the. You know, it just looked a lot more finished, and it looked a lot more associated. That's what the other thing people I always thought about it because we used a lot of associated parts. It looked very associated, mm-hmm. so it, the, the vehicles matched. It looked like a B4 in a sense, the suspension anyway. And, uh, you know, of course, the race went on. Cavalry ended up winning. Uh, Cavalry won four-wheel drive with the Triple X, his first world title. I think he was 16. Um, hit Kenwald on the last lap to uh, win it. Um, jumped inside of him. They touched. Uh, Kenwald rolled and... Cav kept going and won his first title and he's never looked back ever since. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I remember, um, we had a pretty, we had a good debut with that thing. That's the picture there that I was thinking of. Um, uh, this was this original logo, uh, the one at the corner, the BJ four logo that was designed by David Jor, who now is, um, he's got the avid racing. Oh yeah. Uh, products. Uh, he was, uh, he's a really good graphic designer and he built our original website. Um, so, uh, that was a photo we shot locally, cleaned it up and uh, added the logo. And that's my number from, so I guess I was 13th because that's a number three. So I was probably third, um, in the B main of four wheel and had a pretty good race out there in the B main. Uh, 
But you can see the long antenna back then had the regular yeah. receiver. That's awesome. Pete's saying we need a retro J concept shirt with that logo. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that was the logo that I designed that it just kind of looked like, I guess like it was like people really, I don't think really liked it, but that was the logo I designed. Um, to me, it reminds me of the Jetsons. Oh, yeah. Um, I can see that. But, you know, then later, David Jork, um, he actually did the, the J Concepts that's below BJ4. That was his version of J Concepts, um, which obviously had... Uh, mine was all style, right? My logo was all, like, trying to be something. Yeah. And um, his was very straightforward and a little color change. And ultimately, the better for reading and looking at it. So uh, we got through that world's. Um, Look at that! Oh, here I am. Hi. So uh, yeah, we went through two wheel drive. Uh, two wheel drive, I did well. I think I qualified f- uh, fifth in two wheel drive with the new body. So I had a new B four body, and I um, that I qualified fifth with that. I was pretty proud of the car looked cool. People really liked it and it, and it drove well and people responded to that body. And this is before uh, we really weren't going to sell any of this stuff. We were just doing this because we wanted to do it because it was the world's. Mm -hmm. And that's what you did back then is you made special stuff for the world's. And if you could race with it at the race, then that's what you did. So that was the goal. Um, And then People started, you know, the internet was brand new. There was forums, you know, back then you guys had tech talk probably. Yeah. Um, there was a, David Jor actually made a, um, a website called rc10b4.com. And it was a really nice looking forum or, uh, I guess it was a forum. And I, I wasn't really a visitor of any of that stuff until, I guess this race, some photos got out there on the early internet and Losi uh, posted one of them actually. And I sent you the photo that people started posting of this car, which was, uh, it's from a turn and it looks like, I think I had yellow wheels on the front and white in the back, but. Oh, let me look for that. Um, Cause Losi, uh, they gave me front wheels because their original front wheel wasn't, um, it wasn't legal for some reason, the diameter or the width or something. So they brought specially machined wheels to that race and we, but they only did them, they did them all in yellow. So I think there was a time in the race I was using some yellow front wheels, but. Um, I was so going to yeah, say, how did you get the support? Like, didn't have to, like when you showed up to the world with a new car. You can you can do anything you want as long as it fits in the box and meets wow. the requirements. Okay. So as long as it fits in the box, meets the weight requirements, and it's four wheel drive, I guess. Yeah, I guess it shouldn't be a problem. Run the approved power. Uh, so yeah, this, this there's a photo that I believe was shot probably by Richard Trujillo. Yeah, that's it. So. From you know, it has the watermark on it, teamlosi.com. So, this is the photo that Uh-oh. made it. Losi's after me now. 
this is the photo that made it online uh, of me driving the car and made it. And people were speculating right away what this was. And, and then it kind of took off, uh, took off like wildfire online. People saw the photos of the, the B4 body I was running and then of this car. And, and uh, they were just kind of wondering they wanted one. So, so then you had the sign up page for pre-orders. We did. And that's yeah. where I used multiple handles and pre-ordered. Yeah. You probably had in there. Uh, I know Masami had signed up several times. <laughs> he was in there a bunch. Um, there was a bunch of funny ones, some obscene ones. I wonder how much you actually, did you have to uh, reach a goal on the uh, pre-order list no, to make um, them or no. did you? Okay. What we were doing is that, and David Jor made that pre-order list. And we also, after the race, I went up to Ocala locally and we did some videos. Allison, I believe shot the video and, um, and then we edited this video together, which, I mean, when I look at the video today, I think it's on YouTube still on our channel somewhere. You, can, you can't see hardly anything. Like back then I thought you could see stuff, right? And like I watch it now and I'm like, I don't, and there's people that would email and say, hey, I can see this on the car. And I remember somebody saying that, hey, I think you should try this on the setup. And I'm thinking, this is the lowest quality video Um it's like those Bigfoot videos, you know, of where they they see him in the woods. <laughs> yeah. That that's like the quality of this video. And but people so, it was very early internet and I think there was something about this video that worked really well. David Jor put some like um EDM or techno music with it and I mean, it was really neat. So we ran that video. Uh, we started that pre-order list. I think that the link for the pre-order was at the bottom of that video. What can I t- Can I find that on YouTube? It might be just, yeah, J Concepts, BJ4. I have uh, 2005 Losi Race, uh, original BJ4. Um, let me see. You have, you have a, uh, J concepts live, live vintage chat back. You did, you did this like four years ago. <clears throat> let me see what this looks like. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put this one up. Original BJ four video right here. Wait. It's a minute and 52 seconds long. It's just called Original BJ4 Video 2003. So anyway, we did that video and we started, you know, Brad and I had talked and we're like, well, let's give this thing a shot. But it was really a ton of work to get that car out because, as I said, you know, how many days it took to make that was modifying associated parts to fit and then making um, our own parts. And, but, you know, we never would have got that car done if it wasn't for Mike Mellon and John Anderson getting those aluminum parts done and them knowing a little bit about, not a little bit, knowing a lot about RC 
to make sure that it fit and what it needed to be like. And the parts were fantastic when we got them. I think we worked on the, uh, this is the video here. We worked on the top shaft a little bit or the shaft for the slipper and that was it and uh, went together, but modified so many components of associated parts to get it all worked. But anyway, to go production, it took a lot of effort on our part and others to get the parts already modified and changed so that we could put them in a kit box. And that's when we started the pre-order list. Uh, we had to buy a lot of stuff from associated, um, a lot of stuff from associated. And then we had to make our own, um, you know, aluminum and carbon fiber parts. So you got the video playing here, which I can see even less than I did the last time I watched this video. I mean, I can, I remember what happens cause I did this, but, um, this is probably the only thing you can see is me cleaning the car with a brush here. Um, and the thing looks, you can still see my world sticker on the chassis. <laughs> yeah. I think it was dirty tires and, uh, that's it. Pre-order yours today. There it is. <clears throat> so uh, we started else. getting some kits done well we we started the process of making the kits but uh we started coming up on the 2004 cactus classic i believe it was 2004 and we wanted to, um, I talked to Brent at Associated and he was like, Hey, if you send us a four wheel car, I'll run it. And then I'll get, if you send us a second one, I'll get Ryan Mayfield to drive it. And back then Ryan Mayfield was the fast kid from Arizona, but he wasn't the Ryan Mayfield obviously of today. Um, he was the kid that had won the cactus, um, in two wheel drive, but that was, um, he did it as a 75% off driver. Um, uh, this is me driving the four wheel, uh, one of the other cars at the track in Bartow, which this is the best that Bartow track I think had ever been, um, surface wise. But anyway, uh, so we got Ryan Mayfield to drive a car. We had uh, Brent drive a car at the cactus classic and, uh, Mayfield TQ'd one of the rounds of qualifying at the Cactus with uh, Brad's car. Brent was driving mine. And so that, and then we started. You know, we, we had the Worlds under our belt. We got a good finish at the Worlds. We decided that we were going to uh, release this car along with releasing the, the B4 body. And Brad and I worked on this thing. I worked on it all week um, every day and worked with my dad in construction. We did build some houses and stuff to sell. So we we're designing houses, designing RC stuff. Um, then on the weekends, Brad would come over and stay at my house for two days, Saturday, Sunday, and we would do more stuff. And, um, um, uh, Jim Myers would be there all the time. He would help us with anything from, uh, packaging to making bodies and you know so this is me driving at uh barto 
pretty good track here. So um, we, we recognize that there was going to – back then there was a, a stock nationals. They didn't have stock at uh, – they had a separate stock nationals. Right. And I think it was going to be in Missouri. And so we're like, if we can get this car out in time, then – uh, we could have some guys that could buy it on our pre-order list and run the stock nationals. So the idea was, was to start shipping these uh, kits and get them out so they could race them at the stock nationals. And um, we, we didn't really know any of these people that were necessarily buying the car or wanted to buy the car. They would just say, Hey, I'm going to do the stock nationals. You think you can get us some, some kits uh, we got the kits shipping, and we got one to Rod Rippy and Chris Baumgardner, who I uh, sent you that photo of those guys. And kind of unbeknownst, as if that's the right word to us, these guys were am- amazing at this stock nationals, and Rod Rippy won the race with the car. I think he TQ'd and won. Um, so he got this car in. One of our very first kits we shipped he got it. They built them together. He ran the race, and um, he TQ'd and won. Um, if I I know he won, but I can't remember if he also TQ'd. But and they had a pretty considerable, if I remember right, a pretty considerable advantage in this car, the way it worked in stock, being shaft drive, and that was what really kind of. Um, brought them guys to wanting the car and he dominated with it. And it was kind of an, it was kind of an unexpected thing for us because we had really only thought about driving the thing and modify. That's all we had, or that's all we really were concerned about. And they had the stock nats and we're like, yeah, let's get some of these things out and shipping. And, um, those guys did a fantastic job. I think they were not necessarily local, but they were from Missouri and they dominated the stock nationals in four wheel. And now, so now the thing was kind of, so I raced it at the worlds, uh, Mayfield and Brent raced it at the cactus and then they ran the stock nationals. So the, the, it was spreading, you know, this, this BJ four, uh, what we decided to call it. So it's, Brad and Jason four was the, uh, the, the idea of the name super creative, right? Right. Um, not what you thought. Yeah. And, (laughs) and I think we were at first, the name was a little bit of a joke when we were at the world, but (laughs) then I think it kind of just turned into, it really, it changed from a, a kind of a joke to, uh, being really a, a great name for the car. People really liked the name and it, you know, all the joking aside, it was the, Hey, how did you like it, that BJ? Well, it just became, Four, that is, yeah. I mean, it just became not even about that. It actually became about the car, which was kind of neat. And, uh, so we really enjoyed that part of it. Um, and then getting the cars out, you know, during that pre-order list was a lot of work. We were making about two, we were trying to make or set up to make about 250 cars in a batch. 
right? So mm-hmm. we were we'd have enough parts and enough associated things to um, to make about <laughs> two hundred and fifty cars. So we would. Like I remember that. emailing the on these you know on the pre order list. I'd go down and say your kit's ready. Something or other was. Do, my do you remember email. how many pre orders you had? Uh, I mean it. It got into legit I mean, it ones. Was, yeah, I mean, it got way past 1,500, 2,000, you know, 3,000 uh, pre-orders. Uh, of course, there was a bunch of fake ones, and then people that didn't, you know, we didn't take any money. We just said, uh, you know, we were just saying, hey, you know, is this, is there interest? And, and we just thought, you know, the names were the interest, and if it was out there, um, you know, that's what we would do. So we started building these things and it was really expensive to build these cars. Um, you know, if you're looking at, you know, you're playing this video here, which is a lot more recent, but, um, you know, it was really expensive to build these cars and it took a ton of time. And what we didn't realize is how much work packaging was, uh, you know, you kind of had an idea. I'd spent some time at associated working there when I was a, uh, a kid and I saw people packaging and I did a, but I never really realized what kind of work it was to package diff balls, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, everything has to be packaged. You know, if we ordered uh 3000 diff balls, you know, um, you know, say there was 12 in each end, there's 24 in a car times 200, 200 cars. Well, you know, just 200 cars is 4,800 diff balls. Um, and that was just for the main, and you're main like diff balls, not the there. thrust balls. So yeah, you're putting, you know, 12 in a package, you know, <clears throat> and we had a lot of help, you know, between. Then you got to make sure you have 12 in there. Like, I mean, my, my grandma helped us. Um, <laughs> uh, Allison, her sister, uh, my mom, uh, my grandma, you know, uh, Jim Myers and his kids and, everybody helped package these cars and it was just a ton of work uh, way more than I thought it was going to be. It just felt like you're never going to pack, get these pa- things packaged to put in a full kit. And then finally you get done and you know, you get done with this kit and you finally can put kits together and you're just, um, that was a pretty big, uh, pretty big process the instruction manual that was a whole nother thing yeah who did that, that you um i made the drawings and they're from our original drawings but then in order to do the instructions you had to finish the rest of the car that was the other part of the work so like the initial design of this car was you could eliminate a lot of things that were you know you knew there was a diff inside you knew there was shock parts you knew there was a shock but for the instructions you had to have every single thing so you ended up making this assembly, um, you know, making this assembly that just had every part in it and uh, redrawing TC3 transmission cases and cutting them apart. And, oh, man, it was just brutal, an insane amount of work to make uh, the instruction sheet. And then I was kind of, like, done with it. I was like, you know, I got one... I had a uh, instruction on each page, right? So like 
my original instruction manual was, you know, step one, whatever, two. And then you turn the page, nothing was on the back. And then like, you know, that was my instru- first manual. And then Brad, he just couldn't live with that. He's <laughs> like, well, we, we got to lay it out like a real instruction manual, you know? So it's like multi-sided and, you know, it's folded in the center, not, you know, not stapled and right. just individual pages. Um, so I remember I had to go and run a race at uh, new red hobbies. I left him at the house and, um, he spent a lot of time organizing the pages so that it would print like that. You know, we could print it. So it had a cover and then each page was, um, 11 by 17 and cut in half and you have your, you know, so it all laid out like an actual book or a magazine. And that was like a big thing because, you know, it went from this thick thing that I was ready to print and just be like, all right, we're done. Let's throw it in the box. Let's ship this thing. (laughs) And he's just like, no, we got to make it like a manual. And it was like, that was like a whole nother deal. And, but it turned out nice. We had a friend of his print the manuals that he knew in Tennessee. We got the manuals black and white. Um, we made these, uh, we made the the box stickers uh, for the top and the side. And then we were able to, um, you know, we used two stickers. We used one on top and then we used one on the side, which served as the side sticker. And it also served as the, uh, the seal. So we used one sticker on the side that served as both functions, which I think worked pretty well. We got them out <clears throat> and... What did we do? We went um, we went through 2004. Uh, happened really fast. We got to... Um, was it that Cactus Classic? We got through 2004. We did the Roar Nationals. Um, I raced there. We actually had Mark Pavitas race one which was really interesting. That was kind of cool. We had a real interesting team at that first Roar Nats. We raced and modified because it was me, Mark Pavitas, Scott Brown, Greg Hodap, so I th- and then Brad raced. So I think we had five cars racing, five or six. Uh, Mayfield didn't race it at that Nationals, but we did really well. I think we had two or three cars in the A-Main, and... Um, I want to say Greg Hodap TQ'd one of the rounds of qualifying and maybe Scott Brown was our highest finisher, either him or Greg. So it was kind of interesting. We had a, a really interesting team. Never liked that again. That was like really, um, people were drivers from running from different companies and, uh, but everybody ran well with the, with the car there. Uh, and then for 2005, the beginning of 2005, we decided that, um, you know, we officially had more kits to get out there. We had kits to give to, you know, Brent and to Mayfield. And, um, we did a Losi race earlier in 2005. Actually, first we did the Cactus Classic. So this would have been the 2005 Cactus Classic. We had the original BJ4. Uh, there was only a, 
a couple of them at that race and uh, Mayfield's car was being worked on by Brad. It was hundred, basically a hundred percent Brad's car with Mayfield's electronics and Mayfield's body. And, um, Ryan was unbelievable with the thing. Like he <laughs> has always been, he TQ'd and won that race. He beat Cavallari there. You know, Cavallari was the current world champion. Um, and, um, Peepack getting popcorn. <laughs> Got Almond McLean. So yeah, he uh we ran that race and uh, Mayfield was just awesome. He he TQ'd and won it, beat Cavallari with the Losi Triple X. And then during that uh, that race, I remember Cavallari came to me and said, Hey, you know, this he's really young here, right? I mean, yeah. he's, this is um uh, you know, he's <clears throat> very young. And he's come, he comes to me and says, I'm going to be switching to associated, um, in the next month. And I want to run this four wheel drive car that you guys have. So, you know, I tell Brad, I'm like, Hey, Cavalieri wants to get a car. He's like, why? I'm like, well, he's going to start running for associated and he wants to run our car as a third car. You know, Brad is like, he's so into racing that he's just like, he's like, can't believe the world champion, you know, Ryan Cavalieri wants this world's edition or this uh, bj4 and and you know and i was like really excited because cavalry wanted to use our bodies like i was like cool he's gonna run the illusion body on his b4 (laughs) and for me him running the four wheel i was just like oh yeah that's like um that's like another a a bonus here but it's like um, the gravy on top yeah and but we sent everything to his dad um the bodies to dark side or whoever's painting them at the time it still paints his bodies today. And, um, we went to the Losi race. Uh, Paul Wynn at the time he was working at Schumacher. He told me that he had some vacation, uh, that he wanted to come out and, and, and be at the Losi race. And this was going to be the debut of Cavallari. Mm. Um, running associated. So at this race, uh, at that particular time, Mayfield didn't, did he come to the race? I think Mayfield did come, but he didn't run four wheel. And Paul was, um, came out to the race and helped us because he took care of Jared Tebow's car. So we had Paul kind of work on Jared Tebow's car. He started running our four wheel. So at this time we had Ryan Mayfield, Ryan Cavallari and Jared Tebow all running the BJ four, um, car and Jared was spectacularly fast at that track. Um, but he had a hard time. Like a lot of people did either keeping a arms on the car in the front or, you know, if you touch something with these four wheel drive cars, especially back then they would break and he had a hard time keeping a front arms on it. And, um, Cavallari had a hard time. He didn't touch anything and break the car, but he was so hard on the car um, doing the jumps, this track had three over unders on it. And he was so hard on the car that it wanted to strip rear gears. Cause we were using, you know, basically we were using, uh, TC three drivetrain and plastic rear diff gears. And, um, the car wanted to, wanted to strip rear gears, huh. uh, especially with Cavallari driving it. And this track was high grip, but Brad would basically put new gears in it every run um 
Brad would put new rear gears in it every run, whether it needed them or not. And, and Cavalieri finished the weekend and he TQ'd in one, uh, with the four wheel drive car, his first time driving it. And I remember, I remember driving the track myself. I was racing there and driving with, with the car. And I kind of felt like when I was driving it, like I didn't really feel like it was working all that great personally for me and for my driving. And when I watched, um, when I watched Cavalieri drive it, I was like, wow, this looks fantastic. I was like, this guy can do anything he wants. Um, he was so good with the car, um, along with when Mayfield won the cactus with it, you know, these guys are just on another level. Um, and they were only, um, probably just turned 18. Uh, so yeah, they, uh, he was great there. Brad made sure Cavalieri's car was in good condition and he won that race with it. And I, I believe I sent you a picture of that one where, um, it's the, the, the brick looking body one sitting on the track. It's got the Cavalieri. It's just sitting there. It's not in motion. Uh, yeah, I'll look for those here. And this was always a great photo. I believe I took this photo on the track after the race. You can see how nice the track was. This was at Lake Park, by the way. We kind of started, we talked about Lake Park earlier, but. Must be in the other email you sent me here. Now, Cavalieri kind of went between red and a little bit of fluorescent red. And there's some times where it looks a little pinkish, too. But I think the car looks really cool in this in this photo. Uh, let's see here. Put it up over here. And yeah, we'll overlay it. That one? There it is. Yep. So this was um, this was really the original BJ4 here. Um, this was our, you know, the original body. This was the kit form of the car. You can see it has a blue anodized front suspension brace, a blue anodized bulkhead. Um and if you look at the surface that the the car is sitting on, this is what we were racing on it uh, at Lake Park. And the, the condition of the track was really good. And uh, Cavalier won all three classes here. This was his first weekend out with Associated. And this was – and what was really strange about this race is uh, Kinwald was at this race. And this was during a time period where um, Brian, a bef- little bit before this, he kind of disappeared. Um, he he got sick, and he was really not racing at all. And just 
um, he kind of came out to this event and he actually ran pretty good. I, I want to say in truck, maybe he was running pretty well, but at this point, Cavalieri was just such a beast <laughs> that Kinwall just, um, he he just, um, you know, he couldn't hang with him anymore. It just wasn't, just wasn't his time. And, uh, you know, Cavalieri was just at this point was just kind of a master. But so we got through these races and uh, we started looking at there was going to be a world's in Italy that year. So the, the 2005 worlds was in Italy and they were going to have a warm up race uh, as they traditionally did. And I went with, you know, I talked to Brent, I was still on the associated team on the travel team. I think I was even getting paid by them at that time still as a driver. Um, you know, not, not much, but I was a, a racer for them. And so we decided, you know, me and um, uh, me and Brent and uh, Cavallari. I'm trying to think who else went. Maybe three or four of us from the U.S. went on this trip uh, to Italy to do the world's warm up. So, and at the world's of course, there's only two classes, two wheel and four wheel. And this, uh, I, I didn't know a lot about Cavallari at that time. I'd spent a little bit of time with him, uh, but I didn't really know his dad didn't come with him on this trip. It was just me. I believe it was me and Brent and, and Pudge. And maybe there was another guy, but anyway, I remember thinking that, you know, I can help him with the four wheel, get it out there. I was going to be racing too, but my racing was of course, kind of on the back burner compared to Cavallari running this car and all that kind of stuff. But I was still racing. And I remember being there and uh, LRP was what we were using for electronics or I was, and this was the beginning of their brushless motor and, um, speed control days. And I remember Jurgen, who's the LRP owner, he wanted me to run the brushless equipment there because he had experience with me in the past and he kind of trusted my opinion on the product um, based off of the stuff that I had done with him in the in the 90s. And so he wanted me to run the, the, the brushless equipment there. I ran, I remember I ran the brushless equipment in my two-wheel and four-wheel and worked on... Um, and I worked on uh, Cavallari's four-wheel. But what I didn't really know at the time was Cavallari didn't really work on the cars that much. He was more of like a cleaner. You know, he would clean them, and he'd get tires mounted and, and batteries charged, and he'd put them on the track. But he, his dad really did the, the yeah. majority. His dad really did the majority of the of the wrenching. And, and I, I remember we went through practice in Italy and, and he said, we talking about practice, right? And I'm still, I'm running my two cars. So I got my B4, my BJ4. We brought a short chassis there for some reason. I thought maybe we would need to try a short chassis. 
I'm like switching chassis on my car, <laughs> trying different chassis. I'm helping Cavalieri with his four wheel. And I remember before qualifying started, I'm like, Hey Pudge, I'm like, I go, let's take the shocks off. Um, let's, let's try it without know. the shocks. Well, no, let's take the shocks off. <laughs> let's let you, you know, why don't you redo the shocks? We'll put them back on the car, do a couple little simple things, and then we'll get you out there for the first qualifier. And, um, he was kind of looking at me like, I don't really work on the car. Yeah. I don't like, know what you're talking about, bro. I don't really work on the car. And, and, but he started doing it, you know, he, and because obviously he is familiar with it, but I could tell that it was kind of like, Hey, I don't really do this. You know, like I'm, I'm like the, uh, I'm the man behind the wheel here. <laughs> and so it was kind of like taking a while. And I remember looking and they were saying when they were going to start qualifying. And I was like, look, I go, we don't have any time anymore to do this. So let's just put the shocks back on and we'll go up and we'll drive the qualifier, you know? So we threw the shocks back on and, um, Pudge is like, um, you know, he goes out and he just, he looks great on the track. Right. I mean, he's not, you know, killing it at this point point it's yeah. a brand new track you know you're in italy um the track i mean to be honest wasn't very good at all i mean just if i would have showed up there to run a club race i would have left it was mm. not in good condition wow. there's grass growing everywhere it looked like <clears throat> it looked like it was just you know abandoned it looked like an abandoned track really but anyway so he goes up there he runs does okay comes back and I'm like, hey, we should check this or check that. And let's make sure your radio and your endpoints are good and all this kind of stuff. And he's kind of like, he just hands me the radio. And he's like, here you go. You can change it. You know, so I <laughs> look at it. I make some changes. Thankfully, we're running the same radio. Um, Jason's like, and, I don't know what I'm doing here, but uh, I'll just move this um, over. and Move your throttle expo over here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so... He ended up doing okay. Uh, wasn't a great finish. He um, he was in the A main, of course. Did okay, but um, in two wheel drive, I want to say that he qualified second or third, and he ended up winning the main, the triple mains. And so the B four obviously was the class of the the field in two wheel. Uh, there wasn't many other cars out there at that time. Uh, you know, the Losi had the triple X, they were kind of in transition with being bought out by horizon. Um, they probably weren't able to generate new cars or equipment or prototypes as quickly as they did in the past. So, the, so running for associated at that time was, a, was an advantage in two wheel because the B4 was brand new. They're really motivated. And so, uh, Cavalier kind of dominated that warm up and two wheel drive, and we're like, "Hey, you know, this is going good." And he finished, you know, se- seventh or eighth in four wheel. It was okay, you know. First time we really got to see him run it out there. The track was bumpy. It was non maintained. It wasn't looked like your picture there in the background where the track's blue grooved and he's running BK bars. Uh, you know, we were on. Um, actually uh control tires we were on x2000 rears blockhead losi blockhead fronts that was the control tire there they didn't they worked okay but not amazing on that track and so 
we kind of left there thinking um, in order to run the worlds and, and do this right, we kind of felt like we were going to need to make some changes to this car. And this car was only really, um, it wasn't very old, right? We were selling as many as we could make, uh, you know, whether it was 250 or it was 300 or however many we could build, we would sell because the car was su successful. It looked like an associated car. And then we went to this warm up and, Pudge did okay, but not as well as we would like. And um, Atsushi Hara was there, and he won, or at least TQ'd four-wheel drive and was just killing it. Uh, he was running the Durango car, um, which was kind of a hybrid of parts from Schumacher and Associated and everybody else, uh, and, and also Durango parts that GERD made. Um, and this car looked phenomenal. It's, you know, uh, at that time, Hara was, you know, he was probably one of, if not uh, one of the most talented guys in the business. Uh, he was a specialized in touring car and on-road, but he'd come run off-road and he, he obviously was doing really well there. And I, and, you know, I came back, Brad didn't go to that <clears> race, <throat> the warm up, And I came back and I said, you know, if we're going to win this thing or uh, be in contention, then we're going to have to make some changes to this car. Um, we kind of looked at some pictures of how uh, Atsushi was running the Durango, what the the layout looked like, and the way the car was configured. And then we, um, you know, I, I think I got maybe a little more involved at that point because now we had an opportunity to kind of redesign the car again, even though we really didn't need to. <laughs> um, it was already selling, it was doing well, but we kind of felt like for the worlds, there were several things that it needed. And uh, so we went for it. And what we did was we had a Roar Nationals um in 05 which was at RC Madness in Connecticut yeah. and and this is kind of where things start to change a little bit because at that time Jared Tebow, Ryan Cavallari, Ryan Mayfield they're all all three of them were running the BJ4 car um and the car was gaining a, a lot of interest uh, Associated started taking a lot of interest in the car because uh, drivers that they were paying to run for them were using it and they were winning. I mean, we were winning um, tons of races. So uh, Cliff kind of went from like laughing at our body <laughs> and it being a brick to talking to us about buying the design of this car. So Associated was like, look, you know, we've, we've always stayed out of the four wheel drive business, uh, because, you know, of certain different things that maybe not being the, the number one, um, item, uh, in sales, you know, trucks got so big, gas trucks got so big, touring car got so big that they never had to have a four wheel. They were always doing so well in all these other, uh, categories and classes that they didn't really need one or have time to design it. Uh, they didn't have a, a really deep engineering staff back then. 
Um, and, you know, they were happy to get a, a new two wheel uh, stadium truck, uh, have the touring car and a gas truck. I mean, that was really their the nuts and bolts of the lineup. Then they had some pan cars, uh, which I think took up some of the rest of it. But that was really their lineup. RTRs were kind of uh, all the rage at that time, getting your best-selling race car made as an RTR. And I know that's what Losi was doing. Then Associated did their gas truck. Uh, but then, you know, so Cliff came to us, and he was talking to us about buying the design of this car, the BJ4. And so when they first started talking to us about this, uh, Brad and I, the the car that's behind you there, the original BJ4, that was the one that they wanted to buy, which was the one that had the battery all on one side, the electronics all on one side with the motor. Um, but in between all this, I kind of went to Italy and did this warm up with, um, uh, you know, did this warm up with a Cavallari and realized that we were going to have to make some adjustments to the design if it was going to um, maybe contend for the win. So what in talking to associated um, and they, they kind of gave us a time frame and said, Hey, you know, if you guys want to sell us the design of this thing, um, you know, the time period is from now until, you know, whatever, um, say it's a, a year and a half or something like that. Um, we want to help you guys get this car, um, you know, a little more production friendly along the way. Maybe these, some parts that we can reuse, uh, on the cars, uh, on, the, on our variation of the car. And so we started there. So we're in 2005. We'll click the pen here with Pete. Well, 2005 is ongoing. So we have the Roar Nationals that was going to happen at RC Madness. So based off of what I learned at the warm-up in Italy, and I came back with Brad and we said, let's go to a um, – Let's go to a saddle pack chassis. That's kind of what um, Hara was using at the time. We said, let's move the batteries back in the car, go to saddle packs. Uh, let's put a, let's have a, a delivery system where the motor is more centralized. Uh, we can incorporate a slipper in the center of the car with the spur gear in the center. Um, you know, before it was in the back, the slipper was in the back. Didn't really work that well, the slipper. Uh, so it gave us an opportunity to redesign the chassis, uh, set it up for saddle packs, which we were still using traditional batteries, uh, nickel metal hydride cells, I guess. And so we we designed the car around this new chassis layout. And with this Roar Nationals coming up at RC Madness, uh, we got enough of the all the parts, the prototype parts for this car, uh, to have at that race, but we didn't want to race with it because we were selling the original car. We didn't want to show that there was another car or what we were going to do for the worlds. Um, so we, we, we had a new body, we had a new chassis, we had all, a bunch of new parts for this car and we had the car kind of ready to go. And we asked, uh, Mayfield if he would stay the day after the race and run this car on the track. And, you know, he agreed. And so, 
Well, we ran the whole Roar Nationals. I believe he TQ'd the Roar Nationals, but he didn't win with our standard BJ4. Uh, we tried everything to get him that win. Um, with the setup, um, I remember messing with the pistons and drilling pistons and changing setups, and um, and it just wasn't to be. He TQ'd it, but he didn't. He didn't win. And uh, Greg Hodap won with the the X Factory X5, which I'd never seen the car uh, that car um, have as good of a weekend as Greg had with it that weekend. Um, but very, oh, very uh, as uh, Allman said here, interesting hearing the two thousands because there is a dark era, and I agree, this is part of it, um, where there was a dark era in the digital transition. And, and this was part of it, this race at RC madness. I want to say that, uh, Jared Tebow won stadium truck, uh, Mike Truey won two wheel. And then Greg Hodap won four wheel with this X five. And I remember at the time it was, we were kind of in a little bit of a, not really a battle, but it was, uh, we wanted our car to be a winner. The X factory guys wanted their car to be a winner. And, you know, uh, you know, we had already won the Cactus Classic and the Losi race and um, uh, did well at the Worlds with me driving it, but we wanted that Roar National. Um, but we didn't get it there, and we waited. I ran the day after with our prototype, what we called the BJ4 Worlds Edition. So we went to the, uh, you know, the saddle packs, the center slipper, the split drive shafts, uh, the motor location, uh, so we did a lot of different things on that car, new body, uh, new wing, and Ryan ran it the day after we were there. It looked good, promising, better. Uh, so we decided to make enough of these parts so that anybody that had, um, and, and I think, I don't know that this had ever been done before. I remember at the time thinking that it hadn't ever been done, but that we brought enough parts to the worlds to sell or uh, give to everybody that had a original BJ4, they could upgrade to the world's edition. Oh. So they upgraded, they were able to upgrade um, uh, there to the world's <laughs> edition. You know, of course, we had uh, Mayfield there racing, Cavalieri, Tebow, Craig Drescher, Brent, myself. Um, was it uh, Dave Montgomery and Kurt Winger? And um, we had a uh, an awesome team of drivers there. Scott Brown was running it. Uh, and part of the, the two items that Associated helped us with with that World's Edition car was since we were having trouble breaking front arms and uh, we wanted to beef up the front arm. The front arm was made for the B4 we wanted to, to beef up the front arm, use more material on the front on the front bulkhead for more uh, plastic on the arm. We designed a new arm. Associated actually made the mold for the arm front arm for us. We had to buy all the arms, of course, and um, I'm pretty sure that ended up paying for itself for them because we bought so many arms. <laughs> but um, and then they also helped us make the battery tray. We made a. a a mold for the battery tray, which, uh, helped us. Uh, we could have the six slots in the chassis. We made this tray that dropped into it and then the cells would fit into that tray and then a you know, carbon fiber strap over the top. And those were the two things, uh, the, the, 
the battery tray and in the picture behind you here, the front arm at the top next to the bulkhead, we actually lightened the front bulkhead. Um, we added some slots, took some weight out of it. It was really heavy at first. Um, thinned out the front bosses so we could add more material to the A-arm. Um, went to a, a single X design on the front arm. It was The B4 was kind of a double 2X design. And we had a location for a sway bar mount. And then we revised the steering rack. We had a 10-degree uh, front uh, steering bell crank that was part of the world's edition there um then aluminum cvds front and rear so those a lot of the upgrades there in that picture that you're showing along with the center slipper which is in the bag there uh that that center slipper that first <coughs> one was it worked more like a diff uh, didn't really work all that great uh, that was kind of part of our trouble at that Worlds itself. If we did have one, was the slipper didn't work well enough. Uh, but it worked for what we were doing. But if we had a better slipper, we would have done even better. But so that's what we that was the, the that was the kit right there. The the upgrade from uh, you know the the original to the world. So we had these. Um, battery trays in the back so she had helped us with the mold for that and then the front arms and then the rest of the parts were machined and aluminum or carbon fiber and cvds which in this car was really nice um we showed up we had a new body it wasn't as much of a brick <laughs> as uh, cliff put put it and uh a little I remember we wanted to put a little scoop action on the top of the body. I thought that made it look kind of neat. And <laughs> um, it just was a, a, a little much nicer piece, a little more refined. And we got to the race, and the guys were awesome there. Mayfield TQ'd uh, the first time he had ever ran the worlds that was his first worlds cavalry's second worlds i guess um and mayfield tq beat out masami you know the master of four-wheel drive the the world champion master he he out dueled him for tq i remember it came down to the last round i think and mayfield ended up getting the overall tq um got a picture i think that i sent you of his car on the front on the grid. Uh, I believe this picture was from extreme magazine. I think took this, but they sent it to us later. I think we used it on the box, the side of the box, but Ryan's dad, Ryan's dad actually painted this body um, and painted his bodies at that time. Oh, here we go. But this is kind of the pink blue, uh, silver white looking paint job. And, So he outbattled Masami for the TQ and just was really amazing uh, to watch those guys race on that track. It was bumpy. wasn't like what I thought that they traditionally raced on. Yeah, this is the picture. Uh, this was his original, um, the way his dad painted his bodies. You can see here he's got the, this was a new wing we made for the race. We made a little wider rear wing uh, for four-wheel. And uh, 
X2000 rear tire was the control tire, the blockheads on the front here, and you can see all the marking all over the tires. There's green marks, there's yellow yeah. marks, there's marks on the inside with um, nail polish. Uh, I mean, they marked these things to death. And uh, I, have, hmm. I still have some of these tires at home from, from my racing, but this was probably... And you can see here, um, he qualified first. Um, and I want to say that to the outside of him must have been Masami in the second position. Then Neil Craig is actually in the third position um, with the red Yokomo car. And then outside in the fourth place is Cavallari. So Cavallari qualified fourth here. Um, and this was with the BJ4. Brad was doing most of the work on Cavallari's car for sure. And Ryan Mayfield is a little more independent with his wrenching. He would only like kind of come to you if he just didn't like something or, you know, wanted a little more detail work. But um, Cavallari didn't mind just turning really the whole thing over to Brad and let him work on it. And uh, Mayfield's car was a little more in his own court. But uh, in those days, we didn't make a lot of setup changes. Uh, you can see on in this picture, Ryan's car has a silver front bulkhead because this was a prototype um, for the for the front arms. And this car was this car worked awesome on this track. Um, and I think these two these guys just being. Um, yeah, I mean, the way Mike Bellotti's putting it here, Mayfield passed all the other levels and had to face the final boss, <laughs> which is, is 100% the truth. I mean, it couldn't really be any more true um, than having to face the final boss, Masami, uh, in that in that race. And, and this was when um, Ryan was really new on this scene. Uh, he wasn't really... He might have just became a paid pro or maybe just after this. I mean, we're talking about somebody that TQ'd the worlds before was even a professional RC driver. So, Jeez. Um, yeah, very, very impressive uh, driving. And then um, I remember the uh, Cavalry won this in the first two mains. If I, yeah, he won it in the first two mains. I thought that, I mean, there was a main with him and uh, with Ryan and I'm sorry, both Ryans racing for the win that they were so, you know, they were like, they were battling hard, you know, obviously they're battling for the world's win. <laughs> and I just couldn't believe I'm thinking we're on the same team. Don't hit each other. <laughs> um, and I just think that it it was just you know just went it just was like a magical win so we got kind of some yeah. questions piling in but yeah so the the 05 worlds uh cavalry won that in two mains um the only the biggest regret of that race for me and Brad was we didn't make or 
assist Ryan in putting a new rear diff or gear on his car before the third main. Otherwise, we would have got first and second. Mm. Um, Mayfield was leading the last main, and his rear gear went out. Otherwise, I think we would have gotten first and second because then Mayfield would have had a first and a second. Cav had it wrapped up with two wins in the first two mains, and then Mayfield, I think, was leading the third main when the rear gear went out. Um, And then Neil Craig ended up getting second overall, and Mayfield got third, which that's the only regret, regret that I remember about that was that um, if we would have, because I remember Ryan kind of being, ah, it'll be fine. You know, (laughs) it's like, this is good enough. It'll be good. And because for him, he's, and and this is really strange because he had never been to the worlds before and he wasn't ultra concerned about that type of stuff. He was just like, you know, he was already very, um, very good in those moments and it wasn't a big deal to him. I think it was a big deal to him, but he wasn't overly nervous about all these little things that a lot of, I think a lot of people's personality is they would be picking all these things apart, kind of psyching themselves out or, or in. And to him, he was like, yeah, it worked fine. We'll just run it again. And you know, then the rear gear fails. He doesn't get second, gets third, which, Mm. you know, he doesn't care today, but because uh, he's already probably had 10 podiums plus two wins. So, but uh, uh, yeah, this, that was, that was a big win. And then we got back and we were already, you know, working with associated to kind of transition this car to, uh, to make it a full associated car, uh, which, was a huge project in itself because it was really like starting from scratch. Uh, the cars looked similar, but we had to start from scratch, all new transmission cases, all new carbon fiber. We had to reduce uh, all the aluminum parts to make the car priced more friendly. So uh, that was a big project for me because I was kind of the one, I'm not going to say stuck, but I was the one that, spent the time to design these parts to make um, the associated version. And, uh, you know, Kurt Winger worked there at the time. He was the one that would call me or consult me on any of these parts or changes. And, you know, I would send him little changes. You know, he'd call me at the end of the day and be like, so what was our progress today? You know, and I'm just like, well, <laughs> here's what we did. You know, and it's like, so he was trying to push the thing along and I was kind of doing multiple things and working on this also. And, but it was really a good experience, but was it kind of hard for you to make those changes? Like, on oh, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, what I mean, like it's your baby and then you're, you got to change it all up. And Well, I, I think the hardest part was, um, designing parts that have to be made turned into a molded part versus an aluminum or a carbon fiber part, because, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, can see things as carbon or an aluminum part, but not a lot of people out there. The beginning designers don't see things as plastic parts Mm -hmm. and these guys that associated and, um, me 
experiencing more and more, um, you have to see these parts as plastic parts because inevitably they have to be molded uh, parts to, to work on these cars and, um, you know, transitioning our front caster blocks from aluminum to plastic and uh, redesigning the steering blocks, all the steering, how the steering bolted together. It was actually a much, they got a really nice car out of this project because essentially we had built two prototypes <clears throat> and proven, proved them on the track. And so they really got the third variation of the car, which was, which was a great improvement. Um, one of the things that they helped us <laughs> with when we were testing after this world's was improving the center slipper, uh, between Kurt and cliff. Um, they basically turned, uh, the, the slipper, um, into a better design, um, having the parts that they had with the resources they had, we were able to fix the center slipper. It saved our drivetrain a little more, uh, or had the ability to save the drivetrain a little bit more. <clears throat> so that was a big improvement. And so just from all the plastics to the steering, to, uh, the way the batteries fit in the car, the center slipper, the motor, we made a change to how the motor could fit in because it was the way we had did it was, uh, like you weren't going to take the motor out of the car that often. And we needed that to be a little easier. And then, you know, we get to the, to the rear end and the way the shock tower had to mount to the top deck couldn't be aluminum. We had to make that out of plastic, which turned out to be <laughs> a really cool part. I mean, I, there, I probably had four or five, um, variations of the rear shock tower mount before we got it small enough and and working well enough that Kurt liked it, Cliff liked it. And so, you know, it started off big, you know, and I kept making it smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where Kurt was like, okay, we're getting close now, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it, and it was, um, so we redid this whole car, but it really turned out really nice. Uh, we tried to beef up the front arm again, and we did a plastic front bulkhead, which helped. We always thought that was going to be the answer was a plastic front bulkhead and a little more beef um, on, on that um, on that front inner boss. And it did help. I think the, um, but that's still with a four wheel drive car, um, especially in those times, you didn't have a lot of kick up in the front end. I don't know if there was 10 or 12 degrees or whatever it was on that car. Uh, you hit something, a lot of that energy goes straight through the front tire, straight to the arm. With a two-wheel drive car with all the kick up in the front, you hit the front tire, the energy can go through the suspension. And with a four-wheel drive car, it goes through the arm. So mm. uh, that was always the toughest part in making that work without making it ridiculous. Um, but that B44, when it finally came out, we went to the the 2007 worlds. Cause now we're two years later and, but it was packaged and ready to go by 2007. The worlds we went to in Japan up in the Hills. And then Jared, Jared, then it was Jared's weekend. I think he TQ'd was it four out of five rounds of qualifying or five out of six or something like that. He, I only think he only missed TQ in one of the rounds 
And I think he won the first two mains, and it was uh, was done. Mm-hmm. He won the Worlds uh, with the first time out with the B44, as it was called. I think that was Kurt's name. I think Kurt named it the B44. Okay. Because <clears throat> it was B4, four-wheel drive, B44. That makes sense. So that since then, there was not a – there wasn't a – B45, they went straight to B64. Yeah. So there wasn't a B54. I'm sorry. There wasn't a B54. It went to B64. Then now they're on the B74. So mm. uh, so that was a that was a good project. It kind of allowed us a little bit to transition out of the car side of things and more into tires and wheels and bodies, which was um I guess a little more of my passion um, of uh, those items. I mean, I obviously like the car stuff, but um, it was a nice turning point. It was a little rough of a transition because we still had to sell four-wheel drive cars that we had. We had to service those customers. And then there was obviously the associated car would come out and essentially we would kill our own sales, you know? Yeah. So whatever sales we had from BJ4, we essentially turned it over uh, to Associated. Um, and then, so if we hadn't uh, had been getting, if we weren't getting into different items and furthering the body line or the tire line, we wouldn't have existed anymore. We would have just turned it over to Associated. Uh, so kind of had some plans there that allowed us to go further and further with Mayfield. Um, in the racing side of things, we got into the tire side and he was, uh, just, I was real dynamic on the track to where he could make something happen. Uh, Nick is asking, uh, did associated have a certain style or design philosophy philosophy that you needed to try to emulate and then redesign? Um, yeah, I think that, um, if you look at all their vehicles, uh, from the B4 generation, uh, through the B5, the B6, uh, you can tell they're associated cars in my opinion, and there's a certain look to the parts. There's a certain design, um, some ideas that they have about the way things work, um, whether it's, you know, shocks or the way the plastics look to me, it's the plastics, the way the plastics look, that was really what was identifiable to me about the B4 was that front shock tower, uh, and the front and rear arms and the rear shock tower. To me, that's what really screamed B4 and associated about that car was the way those parts looked. And we definitely tried to carry over that look, into certain parts. Um, you know, there's really small things about, um, you know, the design of those parts, whether it's the radiuses used now they're using chamfers a lot on some of the parts, but back then the radiuses you would use the size of the radiuses, the, like we talked about the, the double X bracing versus single X bracing in the arms and just, uh, the, the way they might, um, you know, secure the shocks or the, the top of the shock or the bottom of the shock or the way that the parts are braced or the ribbing 
that's used on the plastics. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the style was, you know, part of the goal was to make it look still like part of their lineage, I guess. And it did. The B44 looked very much like a B4, um, but with a lot of carbon fiber on it because of the chassis and top deck. I know the steering was pretty neat. We worked on the steering. I know there was one um, we incorporated. Um, Kurt had sent me. He was working on the GT2 at the time, and we incorporated some of the look of the steering servo saver area the of the that um that he was using on the gt2 we incorporated that into um how it kind of started looking on the steering and the b44 and then um <clears throat> i was always kind of i never liked the way our bj4 we had to build it the way we did because of the limitations but when he took the top deck off all the steering would come loose and that was a little bit of a mess to put back together. And we were able to create there's this steering uh, post in the center that bolted to the chassis. And then there was a cap that, you know, held the steering together. And it really, that part turned out nice, the way the steering was held together, the front bulkhead, <clears throat> um, the rear chassis plate. I remember working on that a ton and called it like a little gingerbread man. The little, the rear chassis plate looked like a little gingerbread <laughs> man. Uh, it was, there was a lot of cool little parts that, that I was really happy with that rear shock tower mount that we revised, you know, four five, six times uh, that turned out really, really small and compact. Uh, a lot of little lightning pockets in it and, uh, it was a really cool part to work on, uh, along with that rear chassis plate and the front bulkhead and the steering, I think are the kind of the, the areas of that car that I, that I really, really liked. <clears throat> uh, Corey's asking, uh, why are the front arms made with the X pattern and in the inside of the arm instead of one solid plastic arm? Well, there's some limitations for molding that um, there's two things, right? So you got the weight of your, um, you, yeah, you want your, uh, you want your suspension arms to be lightweight. Uh, those are unsprung. That's unsprung weight. So the first thing you have on a race car, I guess, is unsprung weight. You want to reduce. So you want your suspension arms, um, uh, caster blocks, steering blocks, uh, you want all that stuff to be lightweight. And, um, one of the changes, um, I'd say that started with team Losi was when they started designing their a arms on the double X's and those vehicles and a little bit on the original associated RC 10 T the stealth cars, they started designing the arms with X bracing and X patterns because they could get the torsional stiffness that they wanted by designing the arm a certain way, but they could still remove a ton of weight. So that was one of the things is designing the arms with, to be lightweight. That was the thing in the, in the nineties that between the, um, RC 10 T LXT double X, that generation started with these really lightweight, 
um, uh, X bracing style arms. Um, and then got into the B4 where they went to a double. Uh, the reason there was two X's on the front of a B4 arm is because the shocks were mounted in the center. And those X's connect uh, to the uh, to where the shock mounts in the center of the arm. They got two X's in there. but So one is weight. Um, and then two is trying to mold parts that are solid plastic, um, is always kind of a no, no in the business. I've always been told you don't want thick sections, uh, where plastic has to flow because, because that's an area where you could have some type of, uh, where the plastic comes together, you can have these bulky sections where the plastic doesn't knit together quite well and you get, uh, weak areas. And so, um, usually molded parts are made more skeleton like and with ribbing and lightweight sections. And, um, that's why you see a lot of the parts made the way they are. And these think thick, chunky plastic parts, you don't, you don't really ever see because uh, one, they're heavy and two, um, they don't mold very well. So, that's really the reason why it's done the way that, you know, even if you look at it in a, a car where um, they call it, um, HB calls them the monocoat arms where mm-hmm. they have a solid bottom, but the top is recessed and then they put a piece of carbon over it. They're still, it's still all hollowed out and has thinner sections. So, and that, and honestly, if you look at an original RC10 front arm, the original car with yeah. the short front arms, it has a solid bottom, and the um, and there's removed sections on the top of an RC10 front arm, which so technically, I guess you could say is a um, they had that arm, and I mean, even to me or somebody could even had that before them. That's just yeah. the one I'm thinking of. But that's interesting. Uh, Um, Almond saying, when did you decide to ditch the roof scoop and why? I think it was because, um, we were getting faster and we wanted to make what was popular at the time was we had a scoopless illusion two wheel drive body. And I felt like we could take the scoop off the roof. The car would look lower, um, because you know we could remove height from it you take the scoop off it would get lower looking and we could call it the scoopless it was a scoopless uh that's what we called our two-wheel body the scoopless illusion i like it and uh and this we had a scoopless i think a four-wheel body so we started going away from that and it to making it look lower and yeah it's kind of where we are nick devito were there any changes, ideas, and improvements that you wanted to add to the B44 that got left out or vetoed by Associated? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I remember we started working on a plastic front shock tower at one point. Uh, I think that was mostly my... Um, I was kind of going down that that path. I was thinking... Maybe we could do that, but um, it never panned out and it just wouldn't have worked. But, and I'm pretty sure that would have gotten not vetoed, but they would have looked at it and said, no, this is going to break. 
and and it would that we were breaking carbon front ones but you had to hit something pretty good to break one but people would break them and the plastic probably would have broke even more and i know that was a weak part in the double x and the triple x they had molded towers and they broke those things quite a bit and go into the carbon front tower well we had that on the bj4 anyway but um it was the best way to go but i remember that was a part we worked on um our bj4 the center cap we had over the slipper had more detail to it and i really wanted them to have more detail on that center cap but i remember curtis and the guys were like no we can't have all that detail on there for nothing and just going to be too expensive to make and so they stripped off all my detail but and just made a little ring around it instead of like all my ribs and fancy stuff but yeah they stripped that off um bummer there was a couple little things but nothing really major it was mostly cost saving measures uh just go back through these questions here a little bit but or comments um andrew was saying he was he thinks he was number 28 on the list of the pre-orders i wouldn't be surprised he was he was really he was really early and man they had a ton of success with that uh, car in Australia. And I mean, it's been so long now. It's amazing that we're all still <laughs> doing this and <laughs> still we're racing, alive. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that we're all racing and I know Andrew's been getting back on the track recently. Um, and, uh, he's trying to rebuild some of his old stuff. So, and this is probably a little fresher in his mind almost because he's been rebuilding B fours and I think BJ fours. So, Oh, wow. Uh, Pretty neat. I don't remember who, I don't remember who number one was. It was probably David Jor. I think he put his name number one. I can't remember. Oh, you weren't number one. I don't think I was number one. Two, three. I don't even remember. Man, I wish that I was a that was a unique. It was definitely a good time period. Something that would be would be cool to do again. It just there was a lot of effort. Um, if you can go back and go back, then I mean, what would you change? Anything on the uh, on the pre order um, list? <laughs> you wouldn't allow uh, anybody to sign up. Well, uh, I remember telling because I had like Brad, four pre-orders, dude. I'm not lying. I'm. I mean, I remember Brad having or talking to Brad, and I remember telling him that we could have sold more cars had we not raced as much. Um, you know, we spent oh, right. a lot of time. Yeah, race yourself. We, we we well, we spent a lot of time going to events and helping the guys win races. And right. We were really just creating more demand for a car that we were is was in limited production, so it didn't really need any more demand. But we just kept racing and winning races and <laughs> increasing the demand. <coughs> you know, for a car that was limited, so that was probably the the part that. You know, had you maybe had more resources or um, you would have just made more cars. 
uh, Almond saying, I remember the talk in the pits about how this pre-order BJ car was cleaning up and how it was hard to get. Yeah, that's probably about as accurate as you could get. I mean, it, it was, it was, um, it was the, it was the best car. And I, I think, I think to this day, the BJ four transitioning to the B 44 is the most successful four wheel drive car of all time. Um, it's, let's see, you know, we, we won, um, I think it won four worlds. So the BJ four won in 2005, the B 44 in 2007, um, and Cavalry won with the B44 in uh, 2011, and then Stephen Hartson in 2013. So, yeah, um, wow. four world championships for that car and that platform. And there's uh, no other car platform, and four wheel has won uh, four worlds. Um, so, um, yeah, it was a I think it's the best car of all time. And even the original X-Ray car that they came out with their four wheel years after the BJ four, it is based on the BJ four. There wow. are so many cars based on the BJ four. Isn't that something, man? Something you gotta be proud of. Yeah. And you know, a, a lot of it, um, you know, and of course a lot of the cars have transitioned now to more adjustability, you know, different things, but, when when that car was hot, it, it definitely became a copied car. I know Kyosho copied it and Tamiya copied it. And I mean they were ordering parts from our website. You know, Tamiya was one of our biggest customers for a while. You know, they would call, you know, they would order like C V D packages so they could make oh HPI, they copied it too. They had their own car. Um so there was three uh there was three definite copies of the BJ four <clears throat> and then once that kind of once it trans once associated made the B forty four, then it kind of like put the end to the copies, and then they kind of things kind of started changing a little bit, and then we kind of finally got to the X ray platform, um, and then that's where things have been based off of since. Is really that the, the X ray? I don't know what year model, but the X ray car seems to be the one that a lot of people were. Um, designing their cars around it's the it's the platform the low c cars designed around now um i'm sure even the associated cars based a little bit of, around that and and uh, really the only the the car that's different now is the schumacher you know we just had that big carpet race florida carpet champs um <clears throat> so carpet champs and uh that's the cat l2 um, or Mikhail Orlowski, yeah. he uh, TQ'd in one four-wheel there, um, and that's a belt-drive car. So I think it's the only one right now. I think it's the only belt-drive car on the market, and um, it's it's the different car of, of all of them. You know, now you can, you kind of, you know, you look at an X-Ray, a Losi, Yokomo Associated, um, they're all somewhat similar, or um, they're trying to compete with one another. But that Schumacher car is definitely the, the, uh, the different one of the bunch being the, the belt drive. <clears throat> uh, Nick is saying, do you see any BJ four left in the current associated car? 
Uh, man, I'd have to go get one <laughs> and look at it. Not much other than, I mean, really it's the same. It is the, um, you know, it's the shaft layout, uh, with the, with the slipper in the center, uh, <clears throat> with a drive shaft going the front and back. That's probably the only similarities now. Maybe the, um, yeah, that's probably it. What what really happened is they had to make a car that was a lot where you could change the adjustments a lot more. You know, in, in that time period and in my racing time period, there weren't a lot of adjustments. And, you know, and that's still something today. I don't make a lot of car adjustments because that's never really, I never made many. Um, but now that's a big part of the game. That's the on-road kind of coming into off-road that, um, they had to make the cars so much more open in adjustability because of the surfaces <clears throat> being so demanding. Uh, Corey Jordan, uh, left tire salute. Would it take a lot to make the BJ four competitive with today's four wheel drive cars? I mean, you could probably make some changes to it and compete on an outdoor dirt track. I would think, but you're not going to compete on the, the part, the, the, the wall that we hit with the BJ four was the power, um, wanting to destroy the, the, the gears that were on the, the, the front and the rear diff. That was the problem. And the power was increasing. We were getting into brushless. We had to have a better slipper. That's what got in the B 44. Then we, and we weren't even to brushless yet. Um, I think the B the B forty four, the first one was still designed for nickel metal hydride batteries, and then it wasn't until they I think had the first the the point one was the one that finally went to where you could put lipos in it, and you just need a lot more durability in the drivetrain uh, with the traction we have today because you're either running on slicks or on carpet and that. Mm-hmm the BJ four, the way it sits, you probably couldn't run it well on either. We did run it on slicks, but, um, you, you would need to definitely keep an eye on the drivetrain. But I think if you'd made some small tweaks, uh, maybe metal gears and stuff that we have today, you could probably be competitive outdoor on the dirt with it. Probably wouldn't be the best car, but you could, you could do well. It'd be awesome to see what it could do. Uh, Andrew's saying when we started running the Nitro TC3 one way in the front it was a rear diff killer yeah it was and you know at that world we were running the one way in the front Um, and what's funny about that is it that was really hard on the car and you would bend drive shafts you would blow up diffs but man, it was fast. And for whatever reason, back then we got away with running that, and it was faster to run the one way. And we were running the one way at that Worlds in Italy. But once we went to the B forty four, we never ran the the front one way anymore because uh, we went to went back to the front diff at I think it was the Hot Rod Shootout, and we had the new slipper prototype slipper in the center. We ran a front diff and. 
Cavalieri and <clears throat> the guys were really good with that setup, and we stuck with it. And to this day, we're all still running a diff in the front and uh, either a slipper or a diff in the center. But it would be interesting to try a one-way today and see how it would work because back then it was a lot faster to drive like that and we just kind of went away with it we went away from it and we never really came back to um to do it dude um i already answered that one I like what Mike says here on a high grip or for animals like me that landed on power with the slipper a little tight, the pinion would evaporate like a water in a frying pan. <laughs> I mean, it's a great description. But I've never, I never s- stripped a pinion. I don't know where that came from. Wow. I've lost pinions. <laughs> yeah. Or got a rock in one. Mm-hmm. Back in the day. Um, yeah, dude. This was awesome, though. It's got to be pretty damn cool, though, looking back on it and being part of all this. I mean, uh-uh. yeah. Matthew That's- says, I think I bought enough A arms to build you a new swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have a swimming it pool. Is, well, you didn't buy enough, Matt. You know, Matt raced a ton with us back then. Uh, Matt Scott with um, Tracy Proctor and Jeff Lynn. They were uh, they raced uh, all three of them. They would come to all of our Super Cups, all the early ones. I think we started in 09. And he did. Um, they were very supportive of the four-wheel. And, but, yeah, that was the part that we broke, front arms. People would order the car and they'd say, what else, what parts do I need? I'm like, well, <laughs> front arms. Front arms. <laughs> if you want a front shock tower, a direct slipper kit, those were the, those were the upgrades. Uh, it was nice though. If somebody bought a kit and then they got a <clears throat> set of arms, a, uh, the direct slipper kit for the back, um, and maybe a front shock tower. That was like the. And then if you wanted to add a sway bar, that was like, and then we would hand, I would hand bend the sway bars. Um, (laughs) So it was like, it was a lot of work. You know, we'd bend the sway bar and package it. And I know Brad did a bunch too, but I mean, I remember bending a ton of those. (laughs) Justin Jubert's checking in saying no pool in Florida, Jason. Tough to swim in jorts, but it can be done. Yeah, sounds like he knows from experience. <laughs> he was in Florida last week swimming around in jorts. He probably knows it can uh, be done. <clears throat> um, let's see here. I know somebody mentioned up here that they still had the a clear body for the BJ4. Alman McLean, uh, checking in. Um, in 1997, I once lost my only pinion driving my RC10 with the with the gear cover off. Three weeks 
three weeks later, I found it stuck on the inside of the rear RPM wheel, and I inadvertently created the face palm. <laughs> oh, my. Steve's hilarious. Go! <laughs> oh! <clears throat> Andrew says, do you think we're starting to see a resurgence in plastic gears? Seems like a lot of other brands are starting to bring them back. Yeah. Because now it's all about weight again. You know, like we talked about earlier with uh, Corey, you know, getting the suspension arms lightweight. And now people are starting to complain that they're 20, 30 grams heavier than another car. And everyone's trying to oh, trim man. weight and rotating weight. And we've really gone. Um, that's the point we're at now in, in the business is we're now we're to fine tuning with all these little things uh, once again. And I don't know. Um, seems like there's people that are making the plastic gears work again. Um, and, you know, new techniques, new gearing. Uh, they're making it work. So, yeah, we're going to see a lot more lightweight stuff until. And, and now with 13.5 class. You know, that's another thing is 13.5 four-wheel here is so big for us that it's becoming like an animal of its own that you have to design product for weight because of the 13.5 and 17.5 classes. So it's going to be a lot of it. All right. That was the making of the BJ4. That was some awesome stuff, man. And you still have one there in the warehouse? It's not displayed, though? Because Corey was asking earlier, do you have it in a trophy case? I have uh, my my World's Edition car that I was last running uh, whenever I stopped running that. Um, I have that. I have a, uh, a new-in-the-box BJ4 that's still see a World's Edition that's sealed. God, that's awesome. Um, I, uh, Brad also has one sealed in the box, a world's edition. Um, I bought, Hey, I don't have my original BJ four. I was going to uh, say, it was, I, you have like one, do you have the first one off the line? No. Um, <clears throat> that, uh, I did buy an original BJ four <laughs> from somebody online, uh, <laughs> because they had the, the original one. So, I have that on one. eBay. Uh, no, it was on Facebook. I think oh, okay. I bought it from them and it's nice. So it needs a little bit of, uh, bringing up to speed. Uh, one of these days, clean it up, get the appropriate electronics in it. Yep. And it'll, um, I got the body from the worlds. I'll be able to put that on there and stuff. So, <clears throat> all right. What do you say? We bail out of here. Oh, Almond Claim is saying just one more thing, Jason. Just one more thing. Thanks for the in-depth BJ4 documentary, Rip Edition. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was awesome, man. Uh, we wanted to do this. Um, got a um, request to do it and uh, finally got it done for you on a Sunday night here. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. <laughs>
Any last uh, parting words there, Jason? Um, thanks for all the support. Thanks for remembering the BJ4 and the World's Edition. And wish I had some kind of cool music in the background. You know how they, you know, a little sad music maybe. Oh, here we go. You know, it's it's strange because remembering the BJ4. This will make it tear up a little. Just a little bit. Yeah, I mean it was a it was an awesome project. It went fast between from 2003 to 2007 really. <clears throat> it was a 4-year four 4-year four run. that uh, was uh went quick, but it was a lot of work, a ton of work. Um, you know, I kind of had an idea what it was going to be, but I never really um, I never really thought about certain things like the packaging and all that that would take so much time and have so much so many people uh, that would have to be involved to help do everything so we had a lot of people family members and yeah, everything man. else that it's cool how you got everybody to help you out there yeah it, and, that's what it takes uh, it really did and so yeah getting those kits and really for the most part we were pretty successful with the whole thing and sold quite a few of those cars uh transition you know to associated with the b44 and you know you know winning all those worlds and it being a successful car for them um which is really the design the design i worked on a lot which is the b44 so they're really in terms of for me they're really all of my cars in a way they're like all my kids right yeah yeah um yeah a little i guess what's a little strange is now i don't feel as connected to the two latest cars the b64 the b74 um you know when i see those cars now i almost see i almost is like i'm almost like competitive about it you know like uh well those cars will never live up to the you know the, the bj4 and the b 44 you know those were the kings of the right that they had but <clears throat> yeah i mean it, you know there's part of me that wishes that i was still part of some of that stuff because um you, you kind of feel like there's something kind of left there sometimes but on another side of it we've done so much more in other areas and been able to have uh work with all these guys uh over a period of years and then have sort of a different relationship um, with not only the drivers, but the guys at Associated and then even the guys now at, um, you know, we have relationships with TLR and Yokomo and Schumacher and all these things that definitely wouldn't be possible if we were in the car business, you know, selling a car. So, um, you know, we, uh, it's not like um, you know. It was an, it was the best way out of the car business that you could probably <laughs> have. But it's a nice transition out. Yeah, it was a good transition. But you know, if we wouldn't have had anything else going, then it also you would have been uh, high and dry. But we had a lot of or had a lot of other plans and a lot of other directions that helped. And I mean, that's. You know, about the time that Paul came on board, Allison was full time and 
things really started to, uh, you know, move forward pretty rapidly at that point um, into a different focus, I guess. And that's been good. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Appreciate you sharing that with us. I know a lot of people are going to be looking forward to watching this and listening. Don't forget, you can uh, find this on all the popular podcasting apps. And uh, you can watch this on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll catch you guys for 234.